Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. My name is Ralph Burns and I'm here alongside my awesome co-host, Molly Pittman. Molly, how are you doing? Hey, Ralph. Doing great. Happy to be here as always. How are you doing? Very nice. It's a beautiful summer day here in Sagamore <laughs> Beach, Massachusetts. Actually brought the, uh, the home office outside patio today for the first time all summer, which was pretty cool. Woo, doing a, a little outdoor office. I'm inspired. Al fresco officing. <laughs> so anyway, enjoying what we are going to be talking about on the show here today. This is killer. And I don't think we've talked about a campaign start to finish like this in quite some time. I can't even think of an episode where we did this. And I think the listeners are really going to appreciate seeing it sort of real time, you know, how Molly Pittman generated 157,000 leads at about a dollar eight in eight weeks. Is that like some kind of internet marketing <laughs> headline or screen capture that I need to know about? Like that sounds insane. It does sound pretty exciting. Yeah. This is a campaign that I ran for a client over the period of two months and it is in a pretty broad market, but really the goal of this was to generate leads. So this was a conversion campaign, like you said, over 157,000 leads generated a dollar and eight cents a piece. So we spent a total of a little over $170,000 on this campaign. But yeah, we're going to walk you through exactly what I did over these yeah. two months. And I think what's important to keep in mind here, Ralph, like 157,000 leads, that's a lot. Right. Yeah. And sure. I don't mean that to brag. It's more this client is in, like I said, a broad market, something that really appeals to a lot of people. So when people listen to this episode, I want you to focus on the process that we're going to walk you through versus the numbers, because we could have generated 15 leads from this and maybe for your business, that's all that you need this month. So same process, just different budgets and different numbers. So we're going to be talking about spending a lot of money, even if you only want to spend 5% of the amount that we're speaking about in this campaign, just take everything we're doing and divide it down. Yeah. So the system's the same. Just don't be overwhelmed by the numbers. We're just showing you that this system really works at huge scale. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of these types of headlines come with only showing you the good stuff, the stuff that actually worked and what's cool about this episode, because I know how this all works. Not everything always works when you run campaigns like this. And yeah, you are spending six figures in spend, and you can definitely extrapolate this down to five figures in spend, even you know four figures in spend or three figures in spend, because it's the same process. But we're going to show you the stuff that didn't work as much as the stuff that did work. Now, I don't think we can all say that we can generate results like Molly Pittman here, if you're a listener to the show here. But the point is, is that Molly obviously has a lot of experience doing this, having run the ads for Digital Marketer for what, like 27 years, ever since you were like <laughs> out of the cradle. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you know, don't expect these results on your campaign because Molly is an experienced digital marketer and Facebook ads person. But the point is, is that there's a lot of this campaign that didn't work well for her, but yeah. hey, you just sort of figure out what works and what doesn't work. Keep exactly. doing more of the stuff that does work and ramp that up, ratchet it up. 
the algorithm works really well as we talk about here all the time, especially when you're getting lots and lots of conversions, you're feeding lots of data back exactly. you know, into the algorithm to get them to figure out where your ideal audience is hiding out there in your audiences. And we'll get into totally. that even more. And Ralph, also the key to this is the lead magnet is really, really good. It's something that the yeah. market really wants. So if that wasn't the case, none of this would have happened. So again, make sure that you have a really great lead magnet. And if you do, set up a campaign like we're talking about today. The system that we're about to talk about, the scaling of it is very similar to really any type of Facebook ad campaign. But the logistics of this, the specifics that we're going to go through are really for a campaign where you're running traffic to a lead magnet that your audience really wants. Yeah, for sure. In this case, they ended up monetizing most of the leads and are still monetizing them to this day. Exactly. So the point was in this whole campaign was just to get as cheap leads, but high quality leads as right. possible. Yeah. Let's get right into it. Let's do it. So tell me a little bit about how you set the campaign up, maybe what campaign objective to start with, a little bit about campaign structure and how you kind of formulated in your mind before you started doing stuff inside the ads manager. Right. So of course we were optimizing for conversions. So we're optimizing for someone to click from our ad, land on the opt-in page, give the email address, and then visit that next thank you page, right? So I created a custom conversion for that thank you page. And I started setting up this ad by selecting conversions as my objective. And then that was the first step. Of course, before this, I also did a ton of research for targeting. So I had spent about 10 hours on a flight researching different interests in this market. So important. Again, doing Google searches about books that this market might like, organizations they're a part of, authority figures that they follow, events that they attend. Everything that I could figure out about this market, I tried to figure out. And I had pages and pages of possible interest to target. So that's really what I started with. I started with a custom conversion on the thank you page and a ton of interest that I wanted to target. Now for this particular campaign, I did start with 22 ad sets. The only difference between those ad sets were the targeting. You could have started with five ad sets. I decided to start with 22 because I had a large test budget on this, but also because I did have a lot of interests that I wanted to target. So the only differentiation between my ad sets were the targeting. And all of those ad sets were ranging between about a half a million people and 20 million people. So I did have some ad sets that were bigger, that had 15 to 20 million people in them. And I tried to do about half and half, like 11 ad sets that were probably more in the half a million to three, four, five million range, and then half that were bigger just to see if it made a difference. And surprisingly on this campaign, it didn't. So we had 22 ad sets ranging from half a million to 20 million in targeting. This was all cold traffic. And I started each of those ad sets at $100 a piece. So $2,200 a day. Again, if you want to scale, if you want to do this on a, a smaller budget, you could have done $20 a day. But we had the test budget, so it was 22 ad sets at 100 bucks a day. So the interest research part of things, 10 hours of research, people are like, wait a second, that's <laughs> way longer than I ever would have thought. And a great episode to go back to, and this is actually one of the ones way back in the beginning of Perpetual Traffic, which is episode eight, if you believe. Mm. It's all about ad targeting, 
where you go through your process as to how to actually do this. So like, what was that process like? I mean, you can't build a campaign without your actual interest. And we'll talk about some of your other interest targeting as well. Like where did you start? And, and did you know much about this niche to begin with even? Not really. I mean, honestly, I always start by going into ads manager, acting like I'm going to set up a campaign, going down to the detailed targeting section, and I'll start typing in words in this market. Like any word that I can think of that relates to this market. And you'll start to find different interests. Again, if we're targeting yoga, I'm usually not going to type in yoga and target yoga because it's probably 300 million people or something crazy, (laughs) right? Right, right? But if you type in yoga you're going to see other interests around yoga, like Yoga Journal, Yoga Alliance, Kundalini Yoga, Yin Yoga, Yoga Pants, Yoga Instructor, Yoga Teacher, Yoga International, Yoga in Life. If you type in the word, you start to get a feel. And anything that seems relevant, I'm writing down on my sheet of paper. So I really start there. And then I start to take those that I've found by typing in that word and putting them into audience insights. So I'll put five to 10 of those that I think are the most relevant into audience insights, go to the page likes tab and see what other brands and what other pages are out there that are most like the ones that I just input. Now that can go down a rabbit hole for a few hours. And I'm always going and making sure that those pages actually come up as an interest in ads manager. If they do, they get added to my sheet of paper, just like the rest of them. Again, this can go down a rabbit hole because look, you see there's Kundalini yoga. Okay. That's a type of yoga. Well, I might go to Google and type in different types of yoga. There's probably 20 different types of yoga. I get a list of those from Google. I go to see if those are interests, right? This yoga in life interest that I just found, I think that's a blog. So it's like, oh, let's go search the different blogs, right? But once I feel like I reach an end to my rabbit hole, that's when I really do start relying on Google. So if I feel like I need more interest, then that's when I really do what I talked about in episode eight and start to Google different books, blogs, magazines, authority figures in the market. I'm looking for different ideas or different things that I haven't yet thought of. And then that will trigger an idea. I'll go put that back in Audience Insights and go from there. So it's really just a big research process for me. But I think it's the most important part. And it's why this was so successful. Yeah, absolutely. So really, the three tools that you're using right now, one of which we all have access to all three of these tools. So sometimes we get questions as to, you know, what other tools should you use? Chances are the tools that are actually in Facebook and at your disposal, right in your search, right in your browser are probably the best tools. And we tend to default back to those anyway. So, but detailed targeting, which is when you just create a campaign and then go into an ad set it's right there and you can actually start seeding it like Google Suggest does when it says how to fly a whatever, kite. You know, it fills in the whatever flying that you want to do. It's the same sort of thing that happens inside Facebook Ads Manager at the ad set level. Super important tool to where we start all of our targeting just in that detailed targeting tab, which is about halfway down inside Ads Manager. And Molly is also talking about another tool, which is referred to as Audience Insights. And you can find that by going up in the upper left-hand corner inside Ads Manager, Mm -hmm. just scrolling down the menu. You can actually see it right under Plan for Audience Insights and a bunch of other tools that are in there. So, And then, of course, everybody knows Google. Hopefully, everybody knows Google (laughs) at this point. Yes. (laughs) This is like an iterative process. And you've got what? Like a Google Sheet that you're putting this all in? Are you subdividing it by different categories? Like, how's that organization looking at this point? I actually am just using a notepad because when I go to build this, I just start at the top of my notepad and the first ad set I create, 
I just go down the list and I input those interests until I reach an audience size that I want. So like I said, I did about half smaller, half a million to three, four, five million. And then I did half of them bigger, five million to 20 million, just to see if it made a difference. It didn't this time, which was really cool. So I'm actually not breaking them into any sort of category. If it ever makes sense to do that, I will, but it can just be a pain in the butt sometimes. So I just went through and just input the interest down my sheet of paper. So when you're grouping some detailed interest targeting together, what's your thought on that? Because people, sometimes you might find one interest and you're like, oh, that's really good. But then you see an audience definition, it's only 20,000 people. Exactly. you know that that's going to be a really good target. So what's your thinking when you actually aggregate different interests together? It's mostly on... If there's one that's 20,000, that's great. But I know I need that ad set to be over half a million. So I'll just add two that are bigger that get me to that audience size. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Or however many I need to add. Like some of these have 20 interest in them. Some Mm -hmm. of them have one. So Mm -hmm. it's just all about the audience size. Right. Right. So you might find perhaps like maybe one website that you know, oh, that's going to be killer. And then you look for maybe other websites that are sort of similar to that and then get your number up so that it's hopefully at the very least greater than 500,000 in your audience definition or your potential reach inside Facebook. Exactly. Yep. Totally right, Ralph. We're talking about large audiences here, guys, because I mean, I think the most important thing when you're running, especially a website conversion campaign And I would say probably about, well, maybe I always say, well, about 99% of our campaigns when we run our website conversion objective inside tier 11, but it's actually not the case recently. (laughs) We started to do brand awareness and video view and a lot of other things. So I would say probably about 80% of the traffic that we run is website conversions. And we try to always get larger audiences, just like what Molly is saying here, like 500,000 to 2 million is great. Sometimes you can even go higher than that. I mean, we've got some ad accounts that run wide open with no targeting in some rare cases, but in most cases we're using targeting and the bigger, sometimes the better, but you know, obviously the ad set performance is going to dictate whether or not you have an audience that's too big or too small. But in this case, you didn't see any difference between the 500,000 ones and the couple million ones. Yeah. And especially if you're just getting started, I did this also to season the pixels. So you'll see later in the scaling of this, I did create an ad set with no targeting and it worked awesome. But just to get started, I wanted to make sure we were targeting those interests of people that were really passionate about what we were talking about. So tell me about your budgeting for this. Like what did you start off at for each one of these ad sets? So 22 ad sets, all of them started at $100 a piece. You can obviously start smaller, but you want to start with at least three to four times a daily budget of what you think that cost per lead is going to be. So if your cost per lead is $10, you can't start with a $5 daily budget. So make sure you start with enough to give Facebook room for optimization. $100, all of them started at the same amount. And then the placements, Ralph, if I'm looking at the specifics of the ad set, these ran across Facebook. They ran as in-stream videos on Audience Network too. I haven't scaled this out to Instagram or Messenger yet. So that's the next step for this client. This was just on Facebook and in in-stream videos. Now, was the no Instagram because your creative asset wasn't yes, allowing you exactly. to? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I didn't have a creative asset for it and I wanted to get it off the ground. This isn't a market that's necessary necessarily on Instagram. They are in a way, so we weren't losing out on a ton, but it's definitely a scaling opportunity moving forward. That's awesome. And then, you know, under optimization and delivery on the ad set section, just so everyone knows what I clicked, I left optimization for ad delivery as conversions, obviously. The conversion window, because this is something that I want them to do immediately. I want them to visit that landing page and opt in. I actually changed Facebook's default of seven days after clicking or one day viewing to one day after clicking or viewing. And that worked better for me. That works better for me on this client because the opt-in happens immediately and I want Facebook to know that. So a great one right there. Like you knew what your objective was. Like just get them in, get them consuming this thing. 
chances are after a 24 hour window when they actually click or view the ad, which is how you actually have it. Your conversion window is one day after clicking or viewing. You knew that that was going to be the majority of your conversions right there. So let's get them while they're hot as much as possible. And also under bid strategy, Ralph, this is something we were talking about before the call. I tested lowest cost versus target cost and put the target cost per lead. Using target cost, I couldn't even get Facebook to show my ad. I wasn't really getting impressions. So this was all done with lowest cost selected. Yeah. And that's totally the default that we tend to use just because even though it looks like it's great. Like when you're going down into optimization and delivery, really, I mean, what she's doing here is she's keeping pretty much everything at the default setting for Facebook and not on Instagram. We'll get into the ads in just a second. Yeah. Other than changing the one day. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean, no one commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddies Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me, and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So in some cases, you might be considering using target cost. And target cost is basically what used to be max bid. So what this will do, and it tends to be the case with every time we've ever tried it, is that target cost ends up really killing your impressions. You don't get any reach for your ads. And when you tested target cost, Molly, what was your bid on that? 80 cents. 80 cents. Okay. Yeah, so when you use lowest cost as your bid strategy, Facebook will go out and find any person who can convert at any price. Now you say, well, wait a second, I don't want Facebook to do this, but it actually works towards your advantage. What it'll do is it'll get the lowest possible cost per acquisition for you, as well as ones that are higher. Whereas target cost, they say, all right, if it's 80 cents, I'm going to only find you people who will convert at 80 cents believe it or not, or in a very narrow window, maybe 70 cents, 90 cents in that area. So you really limit your reach. And it sounds like that happened in this case. Exactly. So yeah, I used that lowest cost option for sure. So, all right, so let's move it over to the ads. So you must have been testing a ton of different ads and creatives here, right? So I kept it pretty simple, which within each ad set, there are six ads and they're the same in each ad set. Remember, the only difference between these ad sets is the targeting, right? Which I find to be the single variable that affects your cost per lead the most. And it's why I spend so much time on it. But I have six ads here and I'm testing two different creatives. So both of them are videos. One of them is actually a video that's three and a half minutes long. That's pretty informative. And the other video is about 10 seconds long. The video that was three and a half minutes long is definitely the winner by far. So there's six ads. Three of them have the long video. Three of them have the shorter video. And then there are three different versions of the ad copy. One of them was very direct 
hey, this is exactly what you get. This is free. This is why you want it. Another was more emotional. And another one was more of like a rally cry uh, because this is more of a passion market. So I tried three very different versions of ad copy. And depending on the ad set, they all worked differently. So there were six ads and the variations were the three copy variations tested with the two creatives. Um, now, something that's very, 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 very important here. That was a lot of varies, by the way. The reason, very, the Pay reason, uh, yeah, a big reason this campaign works so well is because the relevance scores stayed very high. And the reason for this is because the social proof by the end of this campaign at this scale was insane. The large video had over 5 million views, which was great from an authoritative point of view. The ad, which performed the best, has almost 50,000 shares, 7,000 comments, 97,000 reactions. Now, the reason for this is because when I created the first ad set, I manually set up all six of these ads. Now, when I went to duplicate that ad set, I changed the targeting, of course, because that was the difference. And then I went into each of those six ads on the second ad set that I had created. And instead of letting Facebook just duplicate the six ads from the first ad set and then be identical but separate post IDs, I actually selected use existing post and put the post IDs in from the initial ads that I created. So what that does is that ensures that even though I have 22 ad sets running, all the ad sets are running traffic to these same six ads, these same six post IDs. Because if I wouldn't have done that, these 49,000 shares would have been spread out across 22 variations of this same ad. So the social proof wouldn't have been there and the relevance scores wouldn't have been there. So that was really, really important. Something else that's important is I didn't over test here. Even though I have a big budget, you don't see me launching 15 different variations of this ad. I gave Facebook six. I found about three to seven or eight is a really good sweet spot. They usually don't know what to do with more than that. Something else that I did that I think was really important I never turned off an ad in an ad set. Even if it had a higher cost per lead, I'm looking at one of these ad sets right now. And between these six ads in one ad set, the cost per lead ranged from $1.11 to $1.89. Well, the highest cost per lead, the ad with the highest cost per lead, the $1.89, or I'm sorry, $1.86, had only 13 opt-ins, right? Another one had 2,200. So Facebook found a winner pretty quickly and continued to show that one. But there's also another ad in the same ad set with almost 1,500 opt-ins. So the point I'm trying to make is that when you start to scale, it's not always wise to go in and turn off all of the ads that aren't working and leave one. And the reason for this is Facebook is only going to show an ad to an individual a certain amount of times a day or a certain amount of times a week. So if you keep some other ads live in this ad set, once your winner starts to fatigue, Facebook will start to show another one in that ad set. And I've seen it in every one of these ad sets. So don't worry about turning them off because if it's a high cost per lead, Facebook's not going to show that one anyways, right? So this is something that has definitely changed a, definitely. a fair amount, I would say, in the last six months. And I think now is probably the best time where if you are an advocate of perhaps the Michigan method, which is back on episode 71, which is a testing methodology that we still use, but I mean, we use it to sort of supercharge and to test really, really fast and kill stuff really quickly. 
you know, for customer accounts. Sometimes you don't need to do that anymore because Facebook now, as long as you're using this three to six ads or thereabouts, although I have seen Facebook giving impressions to more than three to six ads in an ad set, Facebook really will start to optimize for the one with the lowest cost objective, meaning that in this case, remember, Molly's objective is website conversions. So you're telling Facebook, go out into these individual audiences. They might be 500,000. They might be 5 million. But find me the people who are the website converters in those audiences. And let's say if it's a million person audience, there might be only 100,000 or 200,000 people that are open quote, you know, I'm doing the air quote thingy right now, converters, (laughs) because they have a history in their Facebook ad account of opting into other lead magnets or stuff just in general. So Facebook is going to go out and find that behavior because they all, they have tens of thousands from what we understand data points on all of us, not only like where we're searching on the web, but also our activity on Facebook. So obviously other advertisers, you know, we are all sort of in this pool of data that we're all sort of sharing with each other in essence. So now Facebook is so smart. The algorithm is so smart that the lead that's coming in for $1.89, even though it's at $1.89, well, you know, Facebook is going to optimize for the one that's $1.11 or $1.27. And it's super smart here that you didn't shut that off because you gave it enough breathing room to learn. Well, and it gave me scale too, Ralph, because a lot of times people launch campaigns, they only leave one add-on. And then after a certain amount of time, their campaign stalls, they quit getting impressions. And a lot of times that's because Facebook just can't show that same damn ad over and over again, right? They need to bring in another ad. So I always leave those on. And like you said, especially in the last six months, and it's cool, I'm looking in one ad set that generated 4,000 leads. One ad has 2,200 leads. Another one has 1,500. One has 216. One has 183. One has 76. And one has 13, right? So there were two that really pulled the biggest lever there. And a Imagine if I didn't have that one, right? I would have missed out on almost half of the leads from this particular ad set. So that was really key. But the biggest key was making sure I was using those existing post IDs to aggregate all of this social proof. I think it's super important here to remember that, you know, if you go back to episode 144, where we talk about when we actually met with the algorithm team and they talked to us about the biggest things that you as an advertiser should think about when your campaigns are going well is create more creatives, create more ads when things are going well, because eventually they're not going to go well. Now, this had a definitive flight time, which we can talk about here in just a second. But the point is, is that Molly's giving Facebook six choices as opposed to just one here. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's doing so well. Plus, she's feeding the algorithm on a weekly basis. You need to have at least 50 conversions per ad set per week for the thing to really optimize for the algorithm. I mean, you've got way more than that. So you're giving it all kinds of positive feedback as to who that audience is and go out and find more of them. And after I launched these initial 22 ad sets, honestly, Ralph, over the next two months, my goal was to keep the cost per lead below about $1.15. And I really didn't play much in the ad tab. It was all ad set really focused moving forward for me because I knew I had six solid ads to work with. And from there, it was basically looking at the results from the ad set level to see which ad sets were producing the best results that I could scale, which ones weren't hitting the KPIs that needed to be turned off. Now, just super important. This is the very, very, very important point about post IDs. Can you tell people exactly how you did it? You you created the six ads first, I assume, and then what? So I create the first ad set first and hit publish. And then I quickly turn the campaign off so it doesn't actually start running. But what that allows you to do is then click back into that ad set and you click on each of those ads. You click the pencil edit button 
you look above the preview of the ad, you click the little box with the arrow pointing up diagonally to the right, and then you click see Facebook post with comments. That's going to actually open up that ad in a new tab. And what you'll see at the very end of that URL is your post ID. So it's got facebook.com forward slash a bunch of numbers, forward slash post, forward slash a bunch of numbers. Those last numbers are the ones that are your post ID. So I just copy all six of those into a notepad. And whenever I'm setting up these new ad sets, Well, really, the second one I set up, it's, of course, when you duplicate the first one, it's going to create brand new ads. Just go into those and click use existing post, enter post ID, and paste that post ID in there and hit submit. And then after you duplicate that second one, every ad set from there on will be using existing posts. So you don't have to do that again. You just have to do it once. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of different ways to find that post ID, but that's definitely the easiest way. You can also go into page posts under ads manager, but that's the super easiest way to do it. Make sure that when you do click that little box with a little arrow that goes up to the right, you hit Facebook post with comments, not like view on Facebook, because otherwise you might get the wrong ID. You might get really frustrated and, you know, get mad at us, which we don't want that to happen. Exactly. So super important here. Now with post IDs, there's lots of different things. Like now with placement optimization, we're starting to do less of that actually, because we can't optimize a particular post or page post or an ad for individual placements. But by default, we still use post IDs because of a number of different reasons, aggregating social proof, right? But also it powers the positive signals that are actually part of the whole algorithm, the likes, shares, comments. If you've got a crappy product, then chances are you probably shouldn't be advertising on Facebook. But, you know, a lot of that negative feedback is going to hurt your ad. In this case, you've got the right message to market match. You've got the right type of offer. You've obviously done your research, so you're targeting the right audiences. So all that social proof is going to power the ad. But also, if you did have a social media manager managing comments, you've now got... It's much easier. Yeah, six ads as opposed to like 600 or whatever. I take those six URLs and send them to the customer service team and they're good to go. Yeah, totally. Big, big takeaway there. Yeah. Ladies and gents. So, all right. So how did we scale this sucker up? Ah. Like what was your scaling strategy and all that good stuff? So we set this live with 22 ad sets at $100 a piece, and I didn't touch it for three days, which is hard, but I saw it. (laughs) That is hard. You know, it's interesting. Within the first 24 hours, the lead cost was at like $1.79. It went way down to a dollar by day two. By day three, it was down to about 60, 70 cents. And that was good, right? And so that's when I started, after three days, I turned off any ad set that was above the $1.15 cost per lead mark. So those just got turned off, right? And there were about 11 of those. So about half of them got turned off. Hmm. So you had a half, you had a 50% failure rate, Molly. Exactly. I sure did. Any of them that were below a dollar, I added 50 bucks to. So I increased by about 50%. Anything that was between a dollar and a dollar 15, it's just right there on the verge. I just let it be. So that's what I did. And since the cost per lead was really good, right? Like I was very happy with it. I started researching other interests or I did have a lot of interest too that I had researched that I hadn't even used yet. So about a week later, within the next seven to 14 days, what I did is about every 
three to five days, I would increase what was working by 50 bucks, right? I kept increasing the ones that were working. I was turning off what wasn't working, which actually wasn't a ton. Like anything that really hit out of the gate, you know, had some scale. Of course, it's very natural. They, all the ad sets increased in cost per lead over time, right? We went over two months from having 60 cent average to a dollar eight. That's very normal, right? So they all, as I scaled them, increased in cost per lead, no problem. But anything that was under the dollar mark, I added 50 bucks to every, you know, three to five days. I was also adding new ad sets. So I started with 22, but in the end, I had 38, So I added about 16 ad sets. I added about two ad sets a week. So it wasn't every week adding two ad sets. Sometimes I would add four. Some weeks I wouldn't add any. But for any time I had to turn off a few ad sets, I wanted to make sure I replaced those. So we kept the same volume of leads. So those were new interest. I would go into the ad set. I would sort the ad sets by cost per result. And I would go to the cheapest one and see what interests are those, right? Like, why is this working? I would go put those into audience insights and see what interests were most like the ones that were working. And if I hadn't targeted those before, then I created a new ad set. So we were adding about two new ad sets a week, turning anything off that was above $1.15, leaving anything that was between $1 and $1.15 alone. And that was really the strategy here. Now, something that was cool at about week five, I can't remember how many leads we had generated. I think we were probably at about 60, 70, 80,000 leads. The pixel was so seasoned, I was actually able to create an ad set with no targeting, which was cool. And that worked really, really well. That started at 100 bucks. I was actually able to scale that up to 500 bucks. So just to give you guys some context, again, I ended up with 38 ad sets started with 22. In the end, when this was an eight-week test that we ran, so in the end, I had six ad sets left, right? Like this campaign was sort of at a stopping point anyways. I could have added more ad sets and more targeting if I wanted, but in the end, I had six that was left that were still, you know, giving us under that you know, $1.15 mark that we were looking at. But just to give you an idea of how we scaled the budget. So the ad set, these are daily budgets. The no targeting scaled to $500 a day. We had two others that ended at $450 a day. We had six that ended at $400 a day. We had nine that ended at $300 a day. We had eight that ended at $200 a day. And the rest were left at their $100 mark because they just weren't scalable. So just to give you an idea of how far we scaled these ad sets. I'm always such a fan of scaling your budget slowly. It allows you to maintain that cost per lead that you're looking for. Because if you start just doubling your budgets day over day, your cost per lead is going to increase too quickly. So if you slowly feed Facebook, you know, 50% more every three days, it allows you to more so maintain a reasonable cost per lead. So I've always been a huge fan of scaling out to more people. Taking what's working in terms of your ad, let's show it to more people that are most like the people who have already converted. That's why I ended up with 38 ad sets here and started with 22. I think a lot of people have the misconception that they're going to start with five ad sets and just be able to scale to this amount by scaling the budget. I want an ad set that's spending $5,000 a day. That can be really hard for Facebook to do. So this is the way that I usually choose to scale. 
And honestly, from a day-to-day standpoint, I'm just coming in here. I'm turning off anything that's going above my cost per lead. And every three days, I'm scaling the budget on what's working. And then once a week, I'm adding a few new ad sets. And of course, you know, that timing is going to change depending on the length of your campaign and your situation. But I know people are probably wondering that. There's a lot of different ways to do this, by the way. So this is one way, the way that you approach campaigns, the way that we at Tier 11 approach campaigns is different in many cases. And a lot of it is dependent. And I don't know as if it's like one way of doing it, but it depends on the customer. It depends on your goal. You had a goal for as many leads under a very defined CPA. exactly, And so you started big. Like you started big knowing that you probably had to prune a lot of them back and had a 50% 50% failure rate. Well, I would actually submit you were batting 500, which means <laughs> that you're like in the Facebook Hall of Fame many, many times over. My point is, is that, you know, it depends on how you start. You don't have the budget. You might need to start at maybe four or five ad sets and then exactly. you scale out after there. But in this case, you know, you had the budget, you had sort of a predefined goal so you could do it this way, which in reality is really is the ideal way to do it because you learn really fast what audiences, what works best for you. And then you use a combination of what we would refer to as like budget scaling, which is what you're doing, adding $50 every three to five days thereabouts, but also saying, hey, <laughs> let me look at these really good low cost per lead ad sets. I'll take those out and plug those into audience insights. If those are working, maybe I can find other interests or other people that are similar to that. So we refer to that as audience scaling. So that's definitely two different ways that you can do it. There's a lot of different ways you can scale, but this is like textbook, how to run a campaign at scale and trying to keep things as simple as possible. The simplicity of this campaign is like super impressive. Exactly. And that's the goal, right? If you keep it simple, it's simpler for Facebook to optimize, right? As long as they have enough ads and enough audiences, ad sets to work with. Yeah. So, you know, we were able to generate these results with six ads and 38 ad sets. So yeah, I I hope this was helpful for you guys. It's a really fun to sit down and teach this. And I also love that we're not talking about the business. Notice that I haven't told you guys what market this is or what exactly we're selling. It's a big mystery. Yeah, but there's a reason for that. Ralph and I were talking before this. I think a lot of times, especially in marketing, when you're teaching a case study, the student or the listener, they listen and I know I do this. I get fixated on the business and I'm like, oh, my business isn't like that or this or that. It's like, no, this is a conversion campaign for a lead magnet, right? Mm -hmm. I would do pretty much the same thing depending on the budget in any market. This is exactly how I used to run conversion campaigns for DM. It's how I'm running conversion campaigns for other clients. So if you want someone to go to your site and take a specific action and get something for free in exchange for their contact information, I think this is a good way to go about it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't hurt that this is a really, really good offer too. It's a really good, like these guys know what they're doing. I believe there was some testing prior to you running cold traffic. I mean, I know that they had done lead gen in the past. So, I mean, that definitely does help. You know, if you're just starting with your own lead magnet right now, you might not have these kind of results. But I mean, you do have to, at some point, put it out there in front of cold traffic and actually test whether or not the market resonates with it. So just to put it in perspective, we drove 523,000 unique link clicks from this campaign. We had 157,000 opt-ins. So the conversion rate on this page was exactly 30%. It's not bad, but it could be a lot better. So, you know, imagine if my conversion rate on that page was 50%, right? The lead cost would have almost been cut in half. This is a really good offer, but it's still only converting at 30%. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's lots of elements to this whole thing that you could have tested more of. I mean, you know, once they actually click and leave Facebook, it's really, it's up to the landing page to do the heavy lifting. And if you're not getting the results that you want, you're getting lots of cheap clicks, but you're not getting conversions on your landing page. Go into the data, go into your columns and look at your unique link clicks or just link clicks versus your conversions. If you've got conversions that are 
less than 20% of your unique link clicks, you probably need to work on that landing page. Exactly. Uh, and it depends on whatever your niche is, whether you're selling a physical product that you're trying to sell or you're getting an opt-in in this case. 20% about is sort of the minimum standard at the very least. You really want 40%, which I know you used to get all the time with Digital Marketer for sure because some of those offers are so exactly. damn good. And that would always help with my cost per lead, but yeah, yeah sure. definitely something to keep in mind. Yeah. And you've also created lots of video view audiences, lots of exactly. website custom audiences for these. Totally. So, and I don't even know how much retargeting you did in the campaign. It sounds like you really didn't even need to because <laughs> the, the lead yeah. costs were so good. It, Exactly. Yeah. I mean, down the line in this funnel, we will do some retargeting, but we've also built an amazing audience. I mean, there's 3.3 million people who watched more than three seconds of the video, <laughs> you know, so there's a lot to work with here also. Yeah, this is awesome. You know, 70% of people that landed on the page that didn't opt in, you know, we can retarget that website custom audience. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope this is helpful. Yeah, super interesting here. And hopefully if you're either just starting or you're a seasoned Facebook and Instagram pro, which by the way, we didn't even target Instagram here. We yeah. just targeted Facebook. In what country, once again, was it just the United the US. States? So yesterday I actually created a campaign, same targeting, but Australia, Canada and the UK. And the lead cost for that's in the 50 cents right now. So that's totally untapped. And then yes, I just got some creatives for Instagram. So, so much scale left here. Yeah. I sense a follow-up episode on this one, Molly. Ooh, I, I, I totally agree. So stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. And it's cool because I actually leveraged some of this campaign for this new one I created and also created some new ad sets. So we should definitely do another episode just to talk about what was the next evolution of this. But good news, this funnel is really long. So we haven't realized nearly the amount of revenue that we will, but we've already made a dollar thirty back for each lead that you know we paid a dollar eight for. So the monetization process is still in play, but we've more than made our money back, acquired 157,000 people, and now it's onward. Yeah. And all those conversions to that purchase were all done on email, correct? Yep, exactly. Yes. All on a follow-up email sequence. So yep. very, very cool here. Well, Hopefully you guys have enjoyed this episode here. We'll certainly have to have a follow-up. And I do think that there's like some sort of info product you should be creating out of this saying like how <laughs> I generated 157,000 leads for a dollar eight in eight weeks. I mean, come on, you just got to do it. Okay. Well, we'll <laughs> see about that, Ralph. <laughs> Uh, really appreciate you sharing this case study with us here today. And if you guys like this sort of thing, definitely leave your comments underneath our show notes for those show notes and all the resources that we talked about here today. This is episode 158. So go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. And until next week, we'll see ya. <laughs> You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.